Oh, yeah. It is the best event in sports, and it's about to culminate for 2019 in Minneapolis at the Final Four. Welcome into the latest edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast in the preview mode for the national semifinals coming up on Saturday. I'm TJ Reeves. I'm ready to have some special guests on. We're going to talk Virginia and Auburn and Michigan State and Texas Tech as those are the four teams left standing. It was just two and a half weeks ago we started with 68 teams in this tournament. We began with four games in Dayton, Ohio. We moved on to 32 games on Thursday and Friday and whittled the field eventually down to 16 teams last weekend at four different sites. And emerging are Texas Tech, Virginia, Auburn, and Michigan State. So now we know the Final Four. We're ready for all of this to commence, and we're ready to preview it as we head towards Saturday in particular, again with some special guests joining me. So let's lay out exactly what we have for you uh, here on this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Straight ahead, my analyst, the former Purdue South Florida assistant, uh, part of the Purdue 1980 Final Four team, Mark Wise is here. Mark, also great duties with ESPN-TV and the SEC Network and also on this podcast as an analyst as well as our coverage on TuneIn. The first of several reminders to find us on the live TuneIn channel Tag Sports Group. Look for that channel on TuneIn and their radio app online, available everywhere. We'll be broadcasting live Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from the Great White North getting ready for the semifinal Saturday recap mode Sunday national championship preview on Monday on TuneIn as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast live on scene, as I like to say, OL, on location from the 2019 Final Four. So we're excited about that. Mark will be with me uh, to talk uh, it kind of in, in a two-pronged attack here about what this week is like. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, he's lived it. He's also lived it behind the scenes as a broadcaster. Some great stories about getting ready for these final four games and championship games. And uh, and, and uh, in the case of the Florida Gators, a chance to repeat back in 2007 and what that circus was like in Atlanta uh, for them. So Mark will relay those stories, how, how big this event has become, et cetera, et cetera, and then give you some preview of the two matchups as well. Uh, then we've got a, another special guest that will be here. He joined me recently uh, on another interview, Tom Penders, the former Texas coach, the former Houston head coach, former coach as well at George Washington and Rhode Island, four different teams in the NCAA tournament, made an Elite Eight with the Texas Longhorns, made the Sweet 16 uh, also with the Rhode Island Rams, most recently in the NCAA tournament in 2010. Tom Penders has excellent insight on the Texas Tech coach, Chris Beard. I want you to hear about what Coach Penders has to say about Beard uh, and about working for him as an assistant, uh, really from the grassroots, from the beginning of his coaching career all the way up to what he's done now in Lubbock. And Penders has spent a lot of time as well with this Texas Tech team earlier in the year. What kind of chance do they have now against Michigan State? We're going to find out, but you'll get great insight from Tom Penders uh, from an interview that I did earlier in March about what Texas Tech has been able to do. Uh, Then Matt Zimmick will be here, cbbtoday.com. Looking forward uh, to hearing from Matt as part of our conversation here with great historical insight on the Final Four, especially in the big stadiums, how it all began and whether or not it should go back to little arenas. Uh, and also, I want to get his feelings, not only quickly on the uh, on the games, but also on Tony Bennett, the Virginia coach. A story of redemption, as you're probably well aware if you're a college hoop fan, they lost historically for the first time ever a one seed to a 16 seed maryland baltimore county umbc beating them last year well now you can't tell the story without the second chapter the second part of it which is the following year they come back as a number one seed again and make the final four and are now on the doorstep to playing for a first ever virginia basketball national championship if they can win over auburn on saturday so matt zimmick will have some thoughts on tony bennett the relationship with his father dick bennett the former wisconsin coach Uh, who Tony Bennett played for uh, previously at Wisconsin Green Bay when they were in the NCAA tournament together. The link of the Bennetts as a father and son. And Matt will also have some feelings, obviously, on the rest of this Final Four as it unfolds in Minneapolis. He's been doing great work. He and Joe Nardone and the staff at cbbtoday.com. We encourage you uh, to read them there. Then we've got another uh, special guest stopping by. If you're trying to get into this game for this weekend, wherever you're hearing us, if you are traveling to Minneapolis 
we recommend that you utilize Vivid Seats. They are a sponsor here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. We've got a special promo code, TJBasketball10, that you can use to get discounts on your tickets for uh, the Final Four semifinal Saturday or the championship game. So we've got a special guest from Vivid Seats uh, that will be here. Casey Motomady will be here, uh, one of their senior marketing executives, to tell you more about Vivid Seats and this offer uh, later on in the program. So again, we're jam-packed here in the preview mode. We're ready to head to Minneapolis at the time that we're talking uh, right now. Semifinal games just after 6 Eastern time. It will be Virginia and Auburn somewhere around 845. 5, 9 Eastern Time, Michigan State and Texas Tech will do battle in the second semifinal. The winners meet Monday night for basketball immortality. It would be Michigan State's second uh, national title under Tom Izzo, third overall. It's the 40th anniversary of Magic Johnson, Greg Kelser, Judd Heathcoats, Michigan State Spartans uh, winning that national championship over Larry Bird and the unbeaten Indiana State Sycamores. I'll talk to Matt Zimmick about that, about the unbeatens and Indiana getting to that title game undefeated. So that's the 40-year anniversary for Michigan State to be back in this event, going for a third national title. In the case of Texas Tech, Auburn, and Virginia, they've never won one in basketball. So it could be history for one of them. One of them will go for history, obviously, Monday night against either Michigan State or maybe it's Texas Tech against Auburn and Virginia. And no matter what, somebody makes history at this Final Four. You never know what to expect in this event, uh, that's for sure. All right, so let's get rolling. It's college basketball coast-to-coast. And again, however you found us, through Spreaker.com, through CBBToday.com, and the links there on social media, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Go and and subscribe because the podcast will come to you automatically. We'll have another podcast this weekend in the recap mode after the semifinal games. We'll have a preview of the national title game as well. Uh, A a national title game recap coming next week. So go ahead and subscribe and the podcast comes automatically to you. So with that all out of the way, let's get rolling with the final four coming up this weekend here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Will not be long before we are headed to the Great White North and be part of the 2019 Final Four this weekend as Virginia will play Auburn up first at U.S. Bank Stadium, the home of the Vikings, and now the home of the Final Four in this weekend instance, followed by Michigan State and Texas Tech. Call back in my analyst, the former Purdue and South Florida assistant, longtime ESPN television analyst. He's been with me as part of Final Four coverage on this program, College Basketball Coast to Coast, as well as with Sirius XM and Fox Sports Radio and TuneIn. You, you and I always love getting to get together in and around the Final Four. Hello, Mark Wise. Good. It's about to be here. Good to talk to you. Uh, good to talk to you, TJ. You know, this weekend is kind of the Mardi Gras of college basketball because the atmosphere is second to none. You've got four fan bases that, uh, you know, all think that they can win it. Uh, It's an electric day. Um, It's just a great week leading up to the semifinals on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, All right, so I want to pick up on that theme, and then we'll get into a a couple of the actual matchups here because I love relying on you for X's and O's. Uh, We remind the audience again, we're doing this over and over again as part of this podcast, we will have live coverage on the TuneIn channel. You'll see those links on social media. You can search through TuneIn and their college basketball coverage. Mark will be part of me. Uh, part of the coverage with me uh, coming on Saturday on Final Four Saturday. But for the purposes of this podcast, we want to serve the audience, whether they found us through Spreaker.com or subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We want to get into the games a little bit. I promise we'll do that in a couple moments. But let's pick up on what you just said. This event has become so big, it has now moved to football stadiums exclusively now over about the last decade. They play now in front of 70, 80, maybe even more thousand people uh, with the with the court down on the football stadium, let's reminisce a little bit. This event used to be in arenas back in back in the day. It's now it's now gotten bigger. What are your thoughts about now no longer being in a basketball arena, traditional basketball arena, but now being in football stadiums? It doesn't bother me. Uh, a lot of people, that, you know, the coaching in me um, uh, wants to address the the fact that um, everybody says shooting in domes is different. There's no question that shooting in in domes is different, but it's different for all four teams. And so from that perspective, you and I have both seen plenty of teams that have both shot lights out 
in a uh, stadium setting, and both have struggled. So I, I, I don't think that that comes into play as much as other people would like to address it as such. Um, the week is just so different. From the moment you land, everything is a police escort uh, from the airport. When you get to the hotel, there'll be bands playing, um, making sure that you have security on your floor where the players are playing. It's just different. It, it's it's so different. It's gotten so huge. Um, you know, I, I think maybe Tom Izzo would be at a little bit of an edge because he's been there before, but his players have not. None of the other coaches or players have been there. So it'll, it'll be a new experience for a lot of different programs and players this coming week. Well, and, and you mentioned the circus-type atmosphere and trying not to get caught up too much into the hype. Just in the chronology going into this weekend, you get there, you get to the Final Four site, and then, interestingly enough, open to the public practice on Friday. But that is that is more, uh, because there are thousands and thousands of people there, that is more of kind of like the shoot-around feel, get used to the arena, run a little bit of your stuff. But the teams are also scrambling to try to practice off-site away in this case from U.S. Bank Stadium, right? That's part of the preparation and the challenge for all four teams. Yeah, the, the public practice is just for show. And um, you, you do your work uh, at your other practice, wherever that may be, somewhere in Minneapolis. Um, I, I, you've heard me tell this story before. When I was fortunate enough to be on the staff as a young guy, when we went to the Final Four, we had the uh, open practice at Market Square Arena, and we had a six foot seven player who was, who was a walk on named Anthony Ream, who could just, I mean, he could really get on his trampoline. And we're going through layups, and he is dunking every way possible. <laughs> and you could see all of these media types scrambling through their roster. Who is that guy? Who's like we had picked up somebody for a softball tournament. Right. Okay. So um, it's that kind of show. It, 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 everybody likes to have a little fun with it, I think. He, like he had signed a 10-day contract in the NBA. Who is this yeah. guy that's going to suddenly yeah. help us? So, yeah, that's part of the show, and, and you try to block out some of the distractions that are in and around this. And, again, I lean on Mark's knowledge not only as an assistant for that Purdue Final Four 1980 but also you were behind the scenes for many years with Billy Donovan, and you still are part of the Florida Gators radio broadcast, when Billy Donovan has taken multiple teams to the Final Four, including back-to-back championship years, 06 and 07. Uh, Just uh, reminisce, whatever you want to say here, about being behind the scenes with them, watching all that unfold, watching the preparation, what struck you, what what do you remember? Because obviously, 06-07, they cut the nets down both years. That's our last back-to-back in the NCAA tournament. So what about it? Well, a couple of things come to mind. One is, if your team is fortunate enough to be in the Final Four, most likely, and I don't know this for a fact this week, but most likely your hotel is not directly downtown. So everything you do getting to the stadium is an event. So it requires buses. It requires security. It requires an escort. Um, and, so, and so there are some logistical things that you have to deal with as a coaching staff. And the other part of it is um, I just don't think people would have any concept about the zoo that is your team hotel. You know, everybody wants to wish well, but at the same point in time, uh, everybody just wants to be a distraction in some way, shape, or form. And when I go back to the 06, 07, uh, the repeat championships, especially that second time around, the 07 year, uh, it was almost like traveling with a paparazzi um, because Florida was trying to do something that no team had done since Duke in the early 90s. So uh, from that standpoint, it was, it was really surreal. Uh, in terms of, of watching, um, I mean, it was like, you know, again, it's like the Beatles uh, traveling. I mean, it was just, it was just ridiculous in terms of the amount of um, things that had to go right, just getting the players and the team and the staff from point A to point B. But you brought up a good point earlier, having been there and done it before when you were mentioning Tom Izzo, who's won a national championship, he's been in the Final Four multiple times. It had to serve Billy Donovan well the second go-around in 07 to know what to expect, veteran players that are back. That's that's part of this. You you almost learn by trial and error going through this more than once, a second time, a third time, and a fourth time. 
okay, this was a distraction last time. We can't have that. So this week they have to be right. talking about that at Michigan State. This has been a distraction before. We can't have that. Um, and then, you know, you've said something to me in the past. I'll prompt you here again on, on what you've talked about, that uh, the ability to get your team to focus in and block all of that out, it is a challenge. And, and, and coaches have to do different things in, in sequestering the team, et cetera, to get them locked back in that we have a humongous game, obviously, here. And we got to get back into the routine that we normally have of eating at the same time. We're trying to shoot at the same time. All of that is key right in the routine. There's no question about that. And the one thing that I left out is the amount of media that you have. There, there are certain things that you have to do uh, in terms of what uh, the NCAA requires in terms of uh, breakout rooms and sessions. And, and most of that uh, comes about on Friday. However, one thing that, you know, this is interesting because one thing, and I'm now part of the media as you are, or as one coach once told me, I went over to the dark side. <laughs> the unclean, um, right? Or the unclean. Uh, Keep that's going. right. That's right. All of the, um, all of your local media that you've dealt with for the year, um, it becomes, you know, they think they have the inside track or they think they should get uh, special privilege, I, and I'm not phrasing this correct. Extra, I'll use the phrase extra access, bonus coverage, yeah, more extra, from you. And you can't, you cannot allow that. And so uh, some feelings get hurt along the way, but you just cannot allow that. And, and whether, and I'm talking about, I'm going to go back to my Florida experience, uh, you know, people from Orlando, Jacksonville, that could call and arrange for a, a five minute phone conversation. You just can't allow that. And it, it, it's, it's tough. It's hard to do. Um, you know you're going to ruffle feathers, but in the long term, it helps your team. Very good stuff here from Mark Wise, giving us some insight on the Final Four. Uh, one, one or two more on that, and then I'll get to the actual games with him as he's with me here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. And again, uh, however you found this podcast, through Spreaker.com, CBBToday.com, uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. This is a preview mode podcast. We'll have another podcast on the weekend after the semifinal games, and then we will obviously have a recap of the championship game uh, as well as part of College Basketball Coast to coast um the the thing that i think about too and you know this from being at the final four so many years let's say in the 80s the 90s is the crush of media and the worldwide attention not just the national attention that this event gets there there are numerous broadcasts in foreign language and international uh, feed in in english that dick vital has now done for several years uh, the the hundreds of reporters, internet, TV, as well as newspaper, although newspapers becoming less and less. I remember, just a quick story, being at the 92 Final Four in Minneapolis as a fan, Mark Wise. I had the privilege of being there. I was in the upper deck of the old Metrodome that they've now blown up and torn down for this new football cathedral that's there, U.S. Bank Stadium. And the press, you could tell, the press area and the press, it was about three press tables on one side, and I'm going to guess there's probably 75 or 100 media members. Mark, it's an army now. It's platoons yeah. of people everywhere. We can't convey that enough on how big the circus is on covering this thing, right? No, and, you know, I was fortunate enough in 2014 when uh, the people uh, at CBS and Turner uh, did the very first um, team cast is what they were called, where you were uh, giving the uh, uh, you were part of a broadcast representing the team. And so Florida had a broadcast and, and uh, UConn had a broadcast in that situation. And the, th- the thing that amazed me, TJ, and, and you and I have been around it for a long time and still I was wowed. Inside what will be the stadium this week, inside is almost a city all to itself in terms of what CBS and Turner do and, and breakout rooms and the, um, it, it's just phenomenal. I mean, it shocked me to have kind of a slap in the face at just how big this thing has grown. To. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they have those team cast broadcasts uh, available. <laughs> 
uh, for this for those semifinal games where it's essentially like the the partial call, the homer call towards the school, the school announcers, that kind of thing. And Mark again participated in that with the Florida Gators uh, team cast broadcast. You and David Steele. Uh, right, we're on the call for that national semifinal yeah, game. Uh, hey, just give me a quick story. What's that like to call a game on TV on national cable for the Final Four? Because there's a, there's a select few that get to do it every year for the team cast. What was it like for you? What do you remember? Well, I, I remember uh, looking around at eighty thousand people in the stadium and just kind of going, "Wow!" I, <laughs> I had to kind of catch my breath. I will <laughs> tell you this quick story. Once we were done. And you do. You're, you're, uh, you, you go over in production meetings what you're going to do, and it's a far cry from what I do in any other broadcast, especially now for ESPN. I mean, you don't show the opposing uh, coach or, or bench. Um, very rarely will you get an opposing replay from the other team. So it's a different kind of broadcast. But after the broadcast, uh, David Steele and I are on a, a, a golf cart. They're escorting us back to wherever we had parked and we were leaving. And somebody said, have you seen uh, social media? And I said, no. And they go, you are getting killed. And I said, well, why am I getting killed? Because the UConn people, I, I don't remember exactly. I think we were the TNT um, broadcast right. and Connecticut was on True TV. And so the Connecticut people are looking for this CBS Jim Nance production, and they land on TNT finding the Florida slant, if you That's will. right. So they, just can, they just bashed, and I mean bashed in an ugly way, uh, the broadcast because they thought, what is CBS doing with these clowns. Exactly. And of course, that was the inaugural year of the team cast, and it confused a lot of people. But hey, as I joked with you at the time, being there with you in Dallas, in North Texas, did they spell your name right? Do they know who you are? Because that's part <laughs> of the Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley came to our defense. How about that? Well, that was pretty funny. You got yeah. to be around Charles, and Charles was sticking up for you that, hey, you guys are being instructed. You're calling it as Florida Gator-type announcers, and it's a Gator broadcast, and the UConn one's on another channel and that year was also kentucky and wisconsin they had their own team cast uh, on another channel so i love these stories about the final four mark wise with me for a few more moments again we're headed to minneapolis we will be there this weekend as part of the coverage stay stay locked in on this podcast the tune in channel again is tag sports group i didn't mention it earlier in this conversation tag tag sports group search for it on tune in you'll see it prominently featured as well for the final four coverage uh this weekend we'll be putting it out on social media to find the link to hear us live on saturday live on sunday live on monday before the championship game as well as part of the tune-in coverage. All right, so I have saved the best for last. We're not going to go greatly in-depth here, but I love your X and O analysis, so let's get to it. Virginia and Auburn will be up first. Give me a couple of things to watch for and and what this will probably come down to from your standpoint. Go ahead. Well, again, uh, Auburn's got to make threes. Uh, they only made seven against uh, Kentucky, but they defended at a high rate. Um, a game, a game of tempo. I, I think this is an easy one in terms of, uh, you know, Virginia wants the game in the 60s and Auburn wants the game in the 80s. So uh, that's one thing to look for early on. What's the score at the end of the first media timeout? That'll, that'll be something I'm keeping my eye on. Well, and another thing, too, for Virginia, because you've talked about this, um, they they have incorporated much more three-point shooting earlier in the shot clock, etc. That is the way that Auburn wants to play. That's what you just alluded to. It is what overwhelmed Kansas, especially at the beginning of the game, as the games with North Carolina and Kentucky wore on, them playing up-tempo with the quick shots. That's how they want to play. I'm, I'm very fascinated Will Tony Bennett try to slow them down some? Will he implore maybe a little three-quarter court pressure or half-court pressure trying to slow them down some? I'm curious about that component and throwing out the different defenses. I don't know what your thought is on that. Well, one of the things, again, this is um, another thing to look for. Virginia is really good, outstanding, really, at being there on the catch um, in terms of guarding the arc. Uh, they, They don't let you get comfortable at the arc. Well, I've got news for Virginia. Jared Harper, he doesn't have to be anywhere close to the arc. So they're going to have to extend their defense. They're going to have to dare 
And that's something that Virginia does not like to do, but they're going to have to extend maybe a little bit beyond the arc. And um, they're so good at that pack line, they don't allow dribble drives. And so um, even though they, they have a size advantage in this game, their defense is going to get extended a little bit out of their comfort zone. Um, and again, uh, Carson Edwards prepared them for that, the Purdue fantastic guard, because he was bombing them in from all over Louisville. Heck, yep. he was bombing them in from Frankfurt, Kentucky, and, and, and Lexington, and a few other cities. <laughs> yep. So that may have prepared them, Virginia, for this matchup. All right, so that's the first game that's on the floor. Give me a couple of things that stand out. Texas Tech is the West Regional Champs that defeated the one-seed Gonzaga, and obviously Michigan State that knocked off one of the Godzillas. Michigan State's a Godzilla, too, with the great game, the great win over Duke. That the dust is now settled from their wins last week. Now we have an X and O matchup of Spartans and Red Raiders. Give me a couple of things you're watching for and that you want to see unfold. No team at this Final Four is dependent upon one player more than Michigan State is with Cassius Winston. So let me say that up front. Texas Tech is really good at at handling ball screens because they down ice screen, uh, ball screens. What does that mean? That means they don't la- allow you to come back to the middle of the floor, that they try to keep the ball on the same side of the floor. So if you're looking for a real game within the game, some, some, some uh, X's and O's, if you will, when Winston is trying to utilize ball screens, especially from one side of the floor or the other, can he split defenders? Can he set his man up? Can Michigan State rescreen that that uh, on ball screen and and allow Winston to get feet in the paint? If they can solve that riddle, I think Michigan State will give the Texas Tech defense some problems. But I got to tell you, TJ, Tech's defense and the way that they cover and the way that the uh, weak side is always is there the ability that they have to take charges it'll be a real challenge but that's that's one of the real keys is ball screen coverage for texas tech against cassius winston well and and for texas tech i mean i know what you said about winston and how important he is to michigan state you saw Jarrett culver uh courtside last year florida gators Texas Tech Red Raiders, second round of the NCAA tournament when you were on the radio call with Mick Hubert. And and Culver is obviously a tremendous offensive player. Is it fair to say he's got to have his 20-point game or even better for them to have a great chance? Because if he's average or below average, they may be in big trouble, especially scoring offensively. Here's In a game like this, and when you're playing somebody as physical as Michigan State, you have to have a guy who can go get you buckets. And uh, for Texas Tech, that's Jarrett Culver. There's no question about that. So if he can do that and play well, I I like your premise uh, very much. I don't know that 20 is the right answer, but he at least needs to be 15 or better, and he has to be efficient doing it. If he goes for 18 and he's um, 5 for 19 from the field, then that will play into Michigan State's hands. Okay, one more for Mark Wise before we get together in Minneapolis. We're headed there ourselves uh, for this weekend. We can't convey enough what this scene is like. You've made mention of it being like a circus. It's a football stadium. There's going to be 80,000 people uh, in there. When that first game gets ready to throw the ball up in the air with the star, it is some it is some scene to be around this and for the fans everywhere I say this every year. Do everything you can to go see this once. They've made tickets more readily available now in the bigger stadiums. you got to be part of this, Mark, at least one time, even if you don't have a, a specific team rooting interest, right? And we get the privilege of seeing it. It's something else to be there and to watch them, both of these uh, semifinals, to watch them go at it. And one last thought I have, TJ, is I, I've always thought, and, and maybe I need to go do some research of my own, I've always thought that the second game of the night is always better played than the first. And the reason I say that is because the players in the first game don't have the opportunity to kind of absorb what's going on in terms of the atmosphere. You, you're, in the, you're in the stadium and it's filling up, and yet by the time you're playing, um, it's just a bundle of nerves. If you're in the second game and you walk in, at least you're kind of feeling the situation out. And, and, and then by the time you're warming up, 
the atmosphere is already established. So I've always thought that it's, the second game is cleaner, more clean, uh, more cleanly played than the first. Okay, I'll tell you a quick story just about that because you just prompted me and refreshed my memory. We're going to go back two years to uh, Glendale, Arizona, uh, what is now State Farm Stadium, what was University of Phoenix Stadium, the home of the Arizona Cardinals in football. And that uh, national semifinal Saturday had South Carolina and North Carolina playing in the early game with North Carolina obviously as the favorite. The late game, Gonzaga and Oregon. So late in the game, I had gone to try to find former USF head coach, University of South Florida in Tampa, current Florida A&M coach, former Western Michigan coach, former longtime assistant for Lon Kruger at uh, Kansas State in Florida, Robert McCullum. I had gone to find Coach Mack, who's an assistant, well before their game, and I had been trying to find him throughout the second half of the first game, North Carolina and South Carolina, just to say hello to him and wish him luck because he and I had a long relationship when he was the head coach at USF. I did his radio shows, his TV show, etc. I remember the closing minutes of that game. They had a TV outside mark of the Oregon locker room. Their players had been warming up in the hall, stretching, getting loose, getting ready to go out on the floor when the game is over. The closing minutes of that game, the closing minute of that game was close as to whether North Carolina could put it away or South Carolina could tie them. The entire Oregon coaching staff and team huddled around one of those old school square TVs that's about a 10 inch, 12 inch TV watching the end of the game. Not a big flat screen in the hallway, but one of the old school square box TVs. They were watching the end of it. So to your point, you get there for the second game, you try to get loosened up, but everybody wants to see how's that first game ending. I mean, you could hear the roars through the walls on the other side of the building but you didn't know what was going on except for the little tv that was in front of us <laughs> the 21st century my friend yeah no no doubt with uh with watching that it's going to be some scene for saturday i look forward to catching up with you in minneapolis again as part of this podcast and our live coverage on tune in on the tag sports group channel live saturday afternoon in the preview mode live again sunday afternoon in the preview mode Monday afternoon as well. We'll be doing live coverage, and Mark Wiles will be part of that. Safe travels, my friend. Bundle up. We get ready to be in the Great White North. Thank you here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. TJ, see you in Minneapolis. College Basketball Coast to Coast brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and their mobile app. If you're coming to the Final Four this weekend for the national semifinal games, if you're a fan of Michigan State or Texas Tech or Virginia or Auburn or just maybe somebody that's looking to go to the event and get into the game, go to VividSeats.com or their mobile app. And we've got a promo code, TJBasketball10. will save you 10% off of your order, up to $50 if you're a first-time user. So use that promo code, TJBasketball10, and save. Get into the games on Saturday and Monday night by using Vivid Seats. As we do roll along, it is college basketball coast-to-coast, the nation's college basketball show. We roll along to the Final Four this weekend in Minneapolis. And I'm interested to hear the comments of somebody that knows a lot about Chris Beard, the Texas Tech coach, who's had kind of a meteoric rise over the last three or four years in terms of the national stage. Former coach at University of Arkansas Little Rock, or Little Rock as they're known. Little Rock won the Sun Belt Tournament and the automatic bid to the NCAA Tournament back three years ago. Mark Wise and I were on the call of that tournament win in the Sun Belt Conference in New Orleans. Beard would go on to win an NCAA tournament game that year over Purdue. He would later leave for UNLV that same March. He took the UNLV job. And then a month later, when the Texas Tech job came open because Tubby Smith had left to go to Memphis, follow the coaching carousel, the bouncing ball, Chris Beard left UNLV after only a month, took the Texas Tech job three years ago in April of 2016, and three years later, he's in the Final Four. So now, some insight from a guy who has been a prominent head coach over the last 30 years of college basketball. Tom Penders uh, was with me on a previous interview and conversation, and we began talking about this Texas Tech team and, and the beginning, the grassroots of the coaching tree for Chris Beard, his development with Tom Penders as an assistant and much more. So let's go back to that conversation about the Red Raiders coach and more. Well, years ago, I uh, got a letter from Chris Beard. He was a junior college uh, player, and he wanted to walk on. Uh, his main reason was to become a coach. He wanted to be a college coach. Beautiful letter. 
And uh, so I invited him to come and work summer camp and maybe coach some of the younger kids. He was there for four weeks, and by the end of those four weeks, he was co- coaching the older kids. And we had some, some great players come into our camp. So, you know, he learned, and, and he, was, he was always in the film room. And he asked me to come out and help him evaluate his new team because, you know, he lost uh, eight out of his top ten players and 90, 85% of his scoring from last year's Elite Eight team. Uh, led by uh, uh, Keenan Evans and 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 a bunch of no names that became great players under his tutelage that Tubby Smith left him. Uh, you know he took advantage of all, every player that Tubby Tubby left behind. He didn't run anybody off like a lot of these uh, fools do when they take a new job. He embraced <laughs> the kids that were there, but you know it was it was fun because. You know, he was seeing some of these guys, uh, you know, under the gun and ready to get into the season in November himself. And I just came in. I was a bump on the log, and I was at every meeting and breaking down film and making suggestions, trying to decide what's the best offense and defense you can run. So it was a blast for me, and I got to know all the players. And by the end of the week, the, the kids were – you know, they they didn't want to see me go, and I didn't want to leave because they're great kids. And uh, then he invited me and my wife, um, who he knew from his days at Texas. I made him a student assistant in his second year with me. I mean, he was he was staff. He dressed up for games. He was in charge of certain areas during games. And then in every way, you know, I talked to Coach Knight about hiring him because he was a junior college kid at Seminole College. I mean, a coach there, which is about 120 miles north of Oklahoma City. It takes a while to see it and find it, but that's the journey he took. And as I talked with the kids during the year, I said, the only thing I see as a stumbling block for you guys is that you don't develop enough confidence. You've got to play with confidence to win in the Big 12. And then when you get to the tournament, you got to figure out a way, one game at a time, but you've got to use, uh, you, you know, your newness, your, your youth uh, as an advantage when you get to the tournament because everybody's going to be talking about how you'll never get to where last year's team. And so there you go. Tom Pender's taking four different teams to the NCAA tournament, uh, most recently with the Houston Cougars uh, winning four games in four days back in 2010. It's what this this time of March is all about uh, with teams being able to put together runs in this NCAA tournament. Penders would know all about that, knows all about Chris Beard as well. And so we're excited to get all the info and the intel that we can on all of these different coaches. And we appreciate him stopping by. Again, keep it locked in on this podcast, College Basketball Coast to Coast, and our live coverage on TuneIn. Look for the TuneIn channel Tag Sports Group. We're live from the Final Four Saturday, Sunday, Monday with live coverage throughout the day. Streaming as well on that channel. If you miss the live shows, you can catch the preview as Saturday rolls on into Saturday evening before Virginia and Auburn tee it up first, followed by Michigan State and Texas Tech. Recap shows with interviews, guests. Look for the channel Tag, T-A-G, Tag Sports Group on TuneIn featured under their college basketball cover for the final four and you'll hear us live Ari Russell will be with me uh, Mark Wise will be with me Deshaun Tate will be with me guests interviews with coaches former uh, players former coaches etc whomever we come in contact with in and around uh, Minneapolis prominent media members etc will put them on the show all throughout the weekend previewing and recapping the semifinal games and previewing and recapping the championship game on Monday night so we're anxious about that and we're anxious to roll on here as part of this podcast it is college basketball coast to coast we roll along we are previewing the 2019 final four it will be virginia and auburn followed by michigan state and texas tech u.s bank stadium minneapolis minnesota the third time the final four has come to the great white north 
And I'm going to call in here from cbbtoday.com, the college basketball website, somebody that's been a frequent contributor on this podcast. He keeps returning my call and my text message. When can we talk more hoops? When can, when can we talk more? Let's go. Let's go. Let's talk Final Four. I love it when Matt Zimmick is around, uh, not just for his knowledge base about the game, but also the history of the game in this event. So with that red carpet rolled out, here we go, my friend, a few days away now from the national semifinals and eventually crowning a national champion on Monday night. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm doing well because the previous two Final Fours to go to Minneapolis were both won by Duke, and we know that Duke's not winning at this time. Very true. Coach K and, uh, and Minnesota went together. Uh, and, and by the way, you don't know this just yet, but I, I've already been sharing this earlier on this podcast, and I may have made mention it on uh, College Basketball Coast to Coast and maybe even with you. I've been at the previous two Final Fours, 92 and 01, at the old Metrodome that they've now torn down and blown up. Matt Zimmick, I was in the upper deck as a fan, the upper deck of center field of the old Metrodome as a fan for the Duke wins over Indiana and the Fab Five of Michigan in 1992, where Christian Leitner and Chris Weber were the size of your fingernail, I think, from where I was sitting. I was closer at the hotel, brother, than I was to the court, but I was there in 92, and in 01, was there courtside for that, uh, what was it, Jay Williams, Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy Jr., Duke team, climbing the mountain and winning Coach K's third national championship and second straight in Minnesota, but you bring up a good point, they can't win it this time. And, uh, you know, in 2001, Duke was down 22 to Maryland in the national semifinals <laughs> yes, they and came were. back to win that game. And a, quick, and a quick story while you jog my memory on that. You can't believe, because in the area where I was in the media area, there were Maryland fans all over the place. And you can't believe how crazy, how, what is the right word? Uh, just vitriolic. Frenzied. How about vitriolic at the Duke players with things that you Oof. would you would not hear in a rated R movie being said, screamed, taunted, yelled at, and then a morgue, a library in the second half when Duke made that comeback, beat Maryland, and they filed out like they were filing out of a funeral service out of the Metrodome in that semifinal. So you just jog my memory on that. I don't know what's going to happen Saturday, but are you telling me we might get like a 20-point comeback in a, in a huge scenario? <laughs> that would be wild if we get something like that in the Final Four. Uh, it, it would be crazy. All right, so uh, just to break, just give me an overall thought about this event. I was talking to someone, Mark Wise, about what it's become. It's now in football stadiums. Give me your thought on, on what the Final Four has now become for college basketball and sports. Well, you know, it, it really is part of a, an evolution that is 51 years in the making. You know, I keep going back to, and I talk about this in many sports, not just uh, college basketball, but we need, we need to appreciate how much American sports, the business of sports, changed thanks to the UCLA-Houston game in 1968. You know, and it, and it took a while. You know, we had to build more domed stadiums in this country for this movement to, to really take root. But once we did build more dome stadiums, such as the Metrodome, which I believe opened in either 81 or 82, um, once we build enough stadiums, you know, that's when dome basketball could really take off, starting with the 1982 Final Four. Now, you know, the Astrodome had it, had the Final Four in 1971, but 1982 really began the movement, you know, the progression of Final Fours and Domes. You had Seattle's King Dome in 1984, back to the Superdome in 87, back to the King Dome again in 89, and then, you know, 1996, as I'm sure you talked about with Mark Wise, that that was the last conventional arena Final Four. So, But it all began with that UCLA-Houston game, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, John Wooden, Guy Lewis, and, uh, you know, the, the guy behind it all, Eddie Einhorn of TBS sports, you know, an arranger behind the scenes made that happen. Dick Enberg with the call on that game. And that was really the seed planted, which 51 years later, you know, it's given us, you know, the, the, the final four in these massive football stadiums and not in the Metrodome where there was like 40,000 or the Hoosier Dome with like 38, but now you get 65, 70,000 in a sprawling setup with the 
the uh, court, you know, not in a corner of the dome, right? Wh- whichever dome it was. Now it's in the very middle of the dome. So that's that's like an extra layer of evolution. Uh, in these final fours compared to the 1990s, for instance. Yeah, no doubt. You, you left a lot on, on the plate for me there, and I, I may be inclined just to eat it all here for a minute or two. Uh, one of them on the last point that you made, they now put the court in the very middle of the football field. If the, if the fans can visualize this, if they've not been and they're watching on TV, it's now essentially like from about the 20 yard line to the 20 yard line where the court is right in the middle. They can put floor seats all around it in what are the 20 yard line to the end zone on both ends and on both sides where the sidelines of a football configuration are. And then the fans in the stands, because they elevate the court more, can see it better. I'm, I was laughing, uh, personally, uh, on my on my reference to being uh, that far away at the Metrodome in the upper deck to tiny basketball players, think about that Houston Astrodome where the court again was in the middle of the cavernous yep. Astrodome and there were yep. no TV video boards, Matt Zimmick, because the technology did not exist in 1968. So you were watching them and it was almost like an ant fight. Elvin Hayes and, and Lou Alcindor, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, had to look like uh, little small insects that were fighting now down there on the court if you were in the upper deck or in the top of the upper deck i don't know how you saw anything so it has uh it has really progressed uh to this point as to uh how big this event has become okay so for you uh has it lost something because the intimacy of the arena you know like a rup arena where villanova beat georgetown or this is the 40th anniversary of bird magic speaking of michigan state in the huntsman center the small arena that uh, that salt in Salt Lake, where the University of Utah plays, has it lost something because the intimacy of the arena is not there? What say you? Well, you know, uh, I, I think the Final Four is still a signature event. I mean, I think that people, casual sports fans, still get excited for the Final Four. And obviously, you know, if Zion had been at this one, you know, there would be an extra national resonance. But you know, if you if you like sports, you're watching the Final Four. And I don't think it's lost really much of its juice. What I would like to see every once in a while, but I mean, we're not going to see it, TJ, but, but I would like to see once in a while, you know, it's like you can't play the World Series at Wrigley Field if it's the Indians against the uh, Phillies. You know, you can't right. do a, a neutral site World Series. In college basketball, you can. You know, once every 10 years, put it in the palestra. Or another <laughs> you, another one of the. You, could you imagine moving this thing from eighty five thousand seats to the historic Palestra, which might seat like six or seven thousand? Yeah, oh my yeah, god! But I, I know what you're saying. So of course, yeah. So of course, it'll never happen. But if once in a long while we put it in a venerable basketball Madison arena, Madison Square people, Garden, Madison Square yeah, Garden, absolutely, yeah. Rupp Arena, yeah. Rupp Arena as well. You know, once every 10 years, not like any kind of close rotation, but, but anyway, that's not going to happen, but I I would like to see that. But, you know, on a larger level, what's great about the final four, and I wrote about this at cbbtoday.com earlier in the week, when I wrote a piece about the freshness of the final four this decade, you know, uh, the, the first decade of 20th of the 21st century, a lot of blue blood final fours, if you look at it, but this decade You've had a much greater infusion of mid-majors or untraditional high-majors, exactly what Auburn and Texas Tech bring uh, to this Final Four. So there's been some fresh colors injected into the Final Four this decade. And in direct contrast to the college football playoff, uh, where, you know, just the national championship is so much the focus in football, in college basketball, you still can have four teams being happy with the end of their season, uh, whereas in, in college football, it's just about being number one. So I really love that in the final four, you know, you can lose in the semifinals, but it's not any other semifinal in any other sport, you know, in the NBA, if you lose in the Eastern conference finals, which are essentially the league semifinals, there's no extra special feeling of achievement. You're really in the NBA and NHL, NFL, you want to get to the last game, the the, the Stanley Cup final, right. NBA finals, the Super Bowl. But in college basketball, getting to the semifinals, the round of four, is a really, really big deal. There's cultural weight and, more specifically, TJ, cultural approval behind getting to the final four. If you've done that, it marks your season as a, as a great one. Great with, point. You know, the possible exception of – 
you know, a team like 2015 Kentucky, you know, that's the, that's a team that was thinking national championship or bust. It was an enormous disappointment to lose in the final four, much like 1991 UNLV. But those are the very, very rare exceptions. Usually even, you know, even with this Duke Zion team, which we could see, you know, can't shoot the three very well, can't shoot free throws very well. If this Duke team had gotten to the final four, it would have been a good season. And of course, since, since Duke did not get to the Final Four, we're talking about how Coach K has made just two Final Fours the past 15 seasons. You know, so just getting to the Final Four would have been a really, really strong season for Duke. And so, just, so the fact that the Final Four gives four teams a chance to be happy with their seasons, that's not going to change. That's what I so love about this event and about college basketball in general. Matt Zimmick, CBB Today with me. Uh, CBBToday.com is the website. He and Joe Nardone and that whole staff do a great job. I love uh, his insight. And again, uh, you know, you jogged me again that Kentucky uh, there in that huge showdown in the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, undefeated in the semifinal game, beaten. You mentioned UNLV back as the defending champs. That was the old RCA Dome in Indianapolis, the Hoosier Dome. They played Duke in the semifinals. They were beaten while undefeated. Bird and Indiana State 40 years ago, the last unbeaten team to get to the championship game, they were beaten by who else? Magic and Michigan State, and Magic will be there in the house. Magic was in the house in D.C. on Sunday for the Michigan State win over Duke. He'll be there Sunday. But it just shows you how hard it is to get across that finish line undefeated like UCLA did, like Indiana, who's the last team to do it, uh, did. It's uh, it's amazing to contemplate the rich history of uh, of college basketball. So again, it's some scene we've kind of we've kind of laid that out. All right. So just a few minutes ago, before you came on, we heard from Tom Penders, the old uh, running horns coach, the old Houston coach, as well as a few other programs, four different programs in the NCAA tournament. He was talking to us about Chris Beard and that situation with Texas Tech and what an underdog coach he's been, kind of from the grassroots level in Texas, hard nosed. Long-time assistant, finally getting his shots. Uh, took uh, Little Rock to the NCAA tournament, then now Texas Tech to the Elite Eight last year, and now the Final Four this year. So a lot on Chris Beard. I want you to touch on Tony Bennett, uh, just because we, we know the story losing to a 16 seed last year, a story of redemption this year. They're in the Final Four. Tell me more about the Virginia boss and your thoughts on his team still being alive. Well, so the Tony Bennett story, it, it it connects to the 2000 Final Four when his dad, Dick Bennett, was there. And, you know, Tony Bennett and Dick Bennett have become the second father-son combination to make Final Fours. John Thompson, uh, Papa John, Big John, I should say, and uh, John Thompson III at Georgetown were the, were the first combination. Both at the same school. So, yes, at the same school in that case. Yes. Yes, indeed. And so, so the Bennett's are the second and the last time the Bennett's this, you know, through Dick at Wisconsin in, in 2000, last time they made the final four, who, whom did Dick Bennett beat in the elite eight Purdue. And so 19, 19 years later, Tony Bennett beats Purdue. So 19 years ago, it was Dick Bennett over Gene Cady. And now it's Tony Bennett over Matt Painter, who is, you know, Gene Cady's protege. So Purdue would like the Bennett family to go the heck away. <laughs> so that is a pretty amazing uh, connection, 19 and, years apart. And go ahead and finish it, because you told us earlier in the week on College Basketball Coast to Coast, Wisconsin battles that hard to get to the Final Four, and they have to tee it up against? Tom Izzo and Michigan, Michigan State. State. Exactly. There. And they had beaten them. Michigan State had beaten them three times, including in the recently formed Big Ten tournament, beaten them for a third time, and then beat them for a fourth time in what was a painful-to-watch national semifinal, low-scoring, uh, ugly. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, of the lineage of this, it's wild because while they're not playing Michigan State in the Final Four, Michigan State's in the Final Four for the Bennett's and for Virginia for this. It's wild. It is. So, so TJ, we're, we're basically getting into Final Four history and, and the Final Fours that remind me of this one, or at least can be compared on the surface to this one, so we've already touched on 2000. In 2000, you also had a number five seed from the SEC with a coach making his first Final Four. In 2000, it was the five seed was Florida. The coach was Billy Donovan in his first Final Four. So now you have Bruce Pearl and Auburn 
in, in, in the program's first Final Four and, and specifically Bruce Pearl's first Final Four. So that's another connection with 2000. The other Final Four, which especially can be uh, actually two others, which can be connected to this one, 2006, also in the RCA, RCA Dome, uh, that was uh, George Mason, Florida, LSU, and UCLA. So that 2006 one, and also the 2017 Final Four with Gonzaga, South Carolina, Oregon, and North Carolina. In those 2006 and 2017 Final Fours, those two Final Fours had three coaches in their first Final Four. Uh, in 2006, it was Jim Laranega of George Mason, John Brady of LSU, and Ben Howland of UCLA. In 2017, it was Frank Martin of South Carolina, Mark Few of Gonzaga, and Dana Altman of Oregon. And so in those two Final Fours, 2006 and 2017, with the three coaches making their first Final Four, the national champion was from the coach who had been to the Final Four previously. 2006, Billy Donovan at Florida. 2017, Roy Williams. So if, if history is a guide according to that framework, then Tom Izzo and Michigan State are the ones who are sitting pretty here against Chris Beard, Tony Bennett, and Bruce Pearl making their first Final Fours. Love laying that out. A couple more minutes with Matt Zimmick here, cbbtoday.com. And, you, you know, those two back-to-back Florida titles that Mark was talking about, uh, you have to remember that the Gators took on George Mason in the first uh, matchup in the semifinal game, and then almost nobody thought they were going to be able to beat UCLA in the championship game. This was going to be Ben Howland taking UCLA to the top of the mountain, and Florida won that one. And then they came back the, the following year, won the, won the championship, uh, defeating Ohio State for the national championship in 2007 with Greg Oden, and that's the last time we've had back-to-back champions, and it's not a blue blood. It's not a Kentucky, an Indiana, a Duke, a UCLA, a North Carolina, a Kansas. It's the Florida Gators. But it just it shows you, and, and I think your point's very valid, having been there before and understanding the distractions and the and the tugs at your time, and, and in, in some of those ways, Tony Bennett will lean on his father, Dick Bennett, about some of that, and has been probably this week, right, Matt, about... Uh, compartmentalizing, keeping your team as best you can focused and away from distractions because this is a whole different circus that's about to happen. It is. And, you know, and, and, and Dick Bennett could certainly tell Tony Bennett about, you know, letting the moment become too big for you because it definitely was too big for that Wisconsin team in 2000. Now, obviously, Michigan State was the best team at that 2000 Final Four. There's no debate about that. And Michigan State had by far the best team going in because Florida, the team that played Michigan state in that 2000 title game was a five seed. You know, that, that was a, there were two eight seeds at that 2000 final four. And then Florida as the five and Michigan state was a number one seed. So, so Dick Bennett definitely has a a particular vantage point from which you can talk to Tony. I, I think that, you know, it was interesting that Dick Bennett was interviewed by Andy Katz, the great college basketball reporter, right after the Purdue-Virginia game. And Dick Bennett came out and said it. He said, Tony has far surpassed me as a head coach. And it's true. You know, he's not blowing – dad is not trying to, you know, puff up his son. This is just straight truth. Virginia's been a number one seed in both the NCAA and ACC tournaments four of the last six years. That's ridiculous. To do that in the league with North Carolina and Duke and Rick Pitino at Louisville and Jim Boeheim, that is absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, it's definitely a product of Tony Bennett's consistency. I mean, this is a guy who made the Sweet 16 at Washington State. And Washington State was a top four seed in the NCAA tournament back-to-back years. I mean, so this guy, Tony Bennett, has been amazingly great. I mean, he hasn't been moderately good. He has been great. And after that Mamadi Diakite shot off the Kihei Clark Pass, I will always think of the Kihei Clark Pass as being the most impressive aspect aspect of that play. Not that Diakite's shot was simple, it wasn't, but the Clark pass was amazing. So now that Virginia's gotten to this stage, you know, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see if the composure and the discipline of Virginia basketball uh, remain or if Auburn blows the doors off by 20 points, which by the way, TJ, uh, you know, I'm expecting Virginia to win a very close game, but I would hardly be shocked if the roof caved in on Virginia and Auburn's superior athletes 
you know, ran away with this, especially Jared Harper, who's going to be the quickest player on the court. It's going to be, it's going to, these are two very fascinating games. Anything truly can happen. And, you know, that might sound like a cliche, but we get, we have, we've had plenty of final fours over the years. When you walk into the final four on national Saturday and you say this, this final four is ending just one way, or, or at least, you know, only two teams might have a real shot at this thing, but this final four is so great TJ, because all four teams can win it. I don't think any of the four teams, including Auburn, winning the whole thing would really be much of an upset given the way that they're playing right now. Well, and a perfect example, let's go back to 2015 and Lucas Oil Stadium uh, next to where they imploded the RCA Dome, uh, the home of the Colts. Everybody had Kentucky penciled in as, into the championship game. It was going to be Kentucky against either Duke or Michigan State for the national championship and Wisconsin said uh uh-uh, uh especially in the final 8 minutes and and paid back Kentucky for beating them the previous year in the semifinal game in Dallas in North Texas so you just you don't know if there was ever an example that that Kentucky team was supposed to be in the championship game and who could knock them off from the top of the mountain in the championship game there it was and Wisconsin got them before they ever got there is my point so you you don't know in a one game scenario uh what happens in this We'll see. All right, so uh, you've laid out a lot of great things for us. We'll plug away again. Follow him at Matt Zemick, Z-E-M-A-K, at Matt Zemick on Twitter. Follow him as well through cbbtoday.com. Promise me that I get to catch up with you on the weekend because we not only have the podcast, College Basketball Coast to Coast, for people to find us on, we'll have live coverage of this show from Minnesota Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I obviously have to get you on uh, as much as you're available for this weekend. So promise me we get to chat again no matter what happens with Saturday, who the championship game is Monday night. We'll be reading you, but i got to talk to you again, Matt Zimmick, as the Final Four unfolds this weekend. I will be there, TJ. Oh, we're headed towards Minneapolis and the Final Four. And if you are a fan and you are looking to get in for these national semifinals or for the championship game as part of Final Four weekend in Minneapolis, U.S. Bank Stadium, we suggest you use Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Casey Motamedi is here with me, senior marketing guru here from Vivid Seats. I love I love the fact that the public has so many different options and opportunities to get tickets to the game. Casey, welcome. I know you're excited about the Final Four, and we're excited to tell fans more about Vivid Seats and how they can get into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, TJ. Um, We're very excited about the Final Four. Um, Obviously, Vivid Seats, we have tickets still available for the games on Saturday and as well as the championship on Monday. We have uh, seats all over the stadium available. we got upper, lower bowl, even some courtside seats behind the bench. So we're looking forward to, uh, to the games coming up. Well, and as, as some people might think this is drastic, it's one of the toughest events to get into in sports. And right now, it's earlier in the week, right now you can get in for as little as $400. You've got lower-level tickets that are more than that, but a great selection. And tell them again, why do they want to use Vivid Seats and your app? What are the reasons why? You know, our app and Vivid Seats, we have all the tickets, right? We have upper, lower bowl. Um, Beyond that, we also have the lowest prices as it pertains to tickets available right now in the market for our marketplace. And finally, we have our 100% fan guarantee, which guarantees that, you know, even if your ticket's digital delivery and it's on your mobile device, you will get in. You will be able to use that ticket. If not, we are we will refund you 100% of your money. Love that. Great customer service with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And we've got a special promo code that they can use, TJ Basketball 10 as part of the Final Four weekend and even the championship game on Monday night. That promo code is going to get them 10% off their order. But we, we need to make this clear, though, too. It's for first-time users, right, KC? Uh, we want to entice the new users to come on and try it. So if you've been using uh, Vivid Seats and other promo codes, just be mindful this is uh, for first-time users that are using a promo code. Did I explain that correct? You nailed it, TJ. Yeah, it's definitely for first-time users. Uh, we're looking to bring in um, some new audience uh, to introduce you to Vivid Seats and, and how great we really are have you kind of come through, see our ticket selection, really recognize the low prices, 
and uh, hopefully appreciate that buyer guarantee. Yeah, no doubt about that. TJ Basketball 10 for the Final Four uh, this weekend for the championship game. But you were saying to me, hey, the promo code is still good to use in other areas, right? If they want to use TJ Basketball 10, it's good for 10% off, up to $50 off your order in other places. And you've got great selection of all kinds of events, not just sports on Vivid Seats. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, TJ. Um, I mean, obviously, the Final Four being so big, it'd be great to use it for that. But obviously, we have uh, NHL playoffs coming up. we got NBA playoffs. <laughs> we have the Kentucky Derby. Uh, there's <laughs> Coachella, uh, Hamilton, you name it. Any, any live event in the country that you're interested in going in, you're able to use that code for. Love it. TJ Basketball 10 on that one. All right, I can't let you get out of here. I, I, I get the sense you're a big basketball fan. What do you think about this weekend with Virginia Auburn and Texas Tech and Michigan State? Who do you like and why? Um, well, I, I love Michigan State. I, I, I can't bet against Tom Izzo. I mean, if you look at history, if you play for Izzo for, what, four years, you're guaranteed to make it to the Final Four at least once. So he's well on pace with that once again. Um, I I actually think it will be Michigan State and Auburn for the matchup. And I'm very excited to see how Charles Barkley controls himself. (laughs) Man, oh man, Auburn's first Final Four. Likewise, Texas Tech's first Final Four. It's going to be crazy. And we suspect, I don't know that they're going to empty out the state of Michigan, but a lot of the greater Detroit area, East Lansing, is going to be headed there. Should be a lot of green, we think, Casey, coming to Minneapolis. Big Ten country, upper Midwest for this. And again, we encourage them, right, go to Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app to get their tickets. One more time, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, We encourage you guys to jump in and get your tickets through Vivid Seats especially if you believe and you know your team's going to make it to the championship, better buy it this week than wait till after the games on Saturday. No doubt about that. Use that promo code TJ Basketball 10 Take 10% off. First-time users, TJ Basketball 10 uh, there for 10% off, up to $50. KC Motamedi, thank you, and we're excited for the Final Four. We appreciate you being on board with us, talking about Vivid Seats. Thanks a lot, TJ. And there you go. That will do it for this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast in the preview mode. We are headed to Minneapolis for the 2019 Final Four. Virginia and Auburn, Michigan State and Texas Tech and their fan bases will join us. It should be some scene inside of U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Excited to be there yet again. One more reminder, subscribe to this podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, it'll come to you automatically, even through Spreaker.com. Uh, lock it in and subscribe because the podcast will come automatically to you when we have a new one in the recap mode after the semifinal games. We look forward to that. And then a preview of the national title game as well. Uh, whomever those teams will be out of the combination of Michigan State, Texas Tech, Auburn, and Virginia uh, coming on uh, Monday night in the title game in Minneapolis. So again, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, thanks for finding us here as, college, as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. My thanks also to our guest, Mark Wise, analyst. Uh, he's going to be on a, on a great deal of the coverage here, not only with this podcast, but our coverage on TuneIn with Tag Sports Group and that channel uh, as it all unfolds here this weekend from Minnesota. Thanks also to Matt Zimmick, cbbtoday.com. Great insight on the Final Four in these matchups and the historical perspective of this event. Read him throughout the weekend. He, Joe Nardone, the staff at cbbtoday.com. Love the uh, love the insight uh, from Matt here helping me preview. Thanks also to Tom Penders giving us some insight on the Texas Tech coach. Uh, Chris Beard going for history. Texas Tech has never been in the Final Four, much less the title game, much less won a national championship. Are they on the verge? The Red Raiders out of the Big 12. Tom Pender's given us some excellent insight on their boss, the early part of their season, and much more. And again, a reminder, Vivid Seats. We thank KC Motamedi for being with us from Vivid Seats. Talking about if you're trying to get into this game through the secondary market, use Vivid Seats in their mobile app. Remember that promo code TJBasketball10 for 10% off. Good luck getting the tickets to get in for Saturday and for Monday. And we're anxious to see what happens and what unfolds here as part of all of this. I'm TJ Reeve. Thank you for being with us here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. More on the way from Minnesota this weekend and in the aftermath. We look forward to all of it and keep it locked in for the Final Four, including the National Championship Monday night. It's college basketball, coast to coast.